Welcome to the SYA podcast, giving you teachings from the young adult ministry of Shepherd Church, where it's our mission to lift up Christ that the world might believe. We meet every Thursday at Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch. For more info, go to wearesya.com. his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've, you've heard that it was said to those of old long ago, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you've sworn. So if you say, God, I swear I'm going to do this, you better do it. That's what the old law said. But Jesus says, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all. Not by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by the city of Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you can't make one hair white or one hair black. So he's saying, don't take oaths, don't swear. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Yes, I'll do it. No, I won't. Yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. So when I first read this text, I was like, what, what am I going to talk about? Like, you know, hey, when you get married one day, don't, don't get divorced. Or like, if you say you're going to do something, do it. I was like, I mean, it's kind of, they could just read it and they could know that for themselves. But there's this, this rule they teach you at Bible college, which I think every Christian should know. Anybody who reads the Bible should know. And it's, they, they always say context is king. Context is king. And what it means is you need to know the literary context. So you need to know what comes before the passage and after to kind of understand it. But you also need to understand the historical context. So what was, what was going on like in the culture, in the lives of the people at the time Jesus was saying it? That's the historical context. And when I looked into that, I found that I think what Jesus was saying was something a little bit deeper. Yeah, it was still those things, but he was, he was talking to a deeper issue. Here's some of the context that I found. <clears throat> Jesus was talking, he was quoting the ninth commandment of the Old Testament, which is what the the Pharisees, they would have known it well. Don't bear false witness. Do what you swore to God you were going to do. So don't lie, be honest. But the Pharisees at this time, they had devised a system of following God's law without really actually following it. So for example, um, in this one, they wouldn't instead of swearing by the name of God, they would just swear by other things like I swear by the church. I swear by the hair on my head, I promise you I'm going to do this. So they couldn't use the name of Yahweh because if they did, they would have to do it. But they'd swear by all these other things. Um, And so they found a way to take an oath and therefore keep the commandment of the Old Testament, but still use an oath to get what they want, to say, I promise you I'll do this, and to, to kind of manipulate and take advantage of people. So this way the Pharisees, they were honoring God, but they could also lie to get business deals done and kind of set themselves up and they could lie in their families. And so they, they just had their, their lives weren't integrated. And, and that's the problem in your notes that you can write down. The, it's in your notes. The, the problem that we get from the historical context is that the Pharisees, their behavior wasn't integrated with their beliefs. Their behavior, what they did was not integrated with what they claimed to believe about God. They, they were hypocrites. They found a way to be right with God, but also live however they wanted. They, they compartmentalized their lives. So they had their religion, they had their home life, their business life, and they found a way to do whatever they wanted in each, but still honor God. So what they showed on the outside, which was, you know, seeking God, wasn't an accurate reflection of what was on the inside. Their reflection didn't show who they were on the inside. Makes me think of Mulan. Anybody? 
Where will my re- I don't know, it just made me think of it. Bad joke, bad joke, sorry. But it's, it's really easy to look at this and be like, how, how dare the Pharisees do that? Like, how could they do such a thing? But we don't, we don't really get to move on from the text that easy. What we need to do is kind of flip the text around on us and assess, like, do, do we do what the Pharisees do? Like, is there any way that our, our behaviors don't integrate with our beliefs? And if we answer that question honestly, it's, yeah, so sometimes. Like, sometimes our behavior and our beliefs aren't integrated. Sometimes we, we twist God's word and we try to get what we want instead of just honoring God. Like we exaggerate, you know, and try to make ourselves sound better. We lie, but we don't really lie. Let me, let me throw myself under the bus. I don't know if Jaden Enslin's here, but he, he comes here often. And when I, was, I went to high school with him and we were in math class and I downloaded this app that was like, it gave you like 100,000 fake dollars, fake money to invest in the stock market and I was like, okay, this is sweet. I, I like started investing. I lost like five grand the first day. So not a good start. But I show it to Jaden and he goes, is that real? And in my head I go, I mean, the app's real. And if I tell him that it is real, he'd be like, dang, this guy's cool. And he'll tell everybody I've got like a bunch of money at 17. So I was like, yeah, it's real. I'm pretty good at this. And I, all I, was, I was like, I'm, I'm not lying. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm still honoring God, but I'm also going to look really cool. And then even like a year ago, he was like, do you remember when you did that? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? I remembered, I was just embarrassed. I didn't want to admit it. So I had to admit it to him now. I, I asked him yesterday if I could share that story, but we, we do this in all kinds of ways. Like we say, God, I want you to direct all of my life. Like every area of my life, can you direct it? Except for actually not this one moment right now. Like, please, please, I just kind of want to do what I want to do right here. And then we twist God's words to say, and you didn't really say anything specifically about this exact specific time and area of my life. So I, th- I think I'm good, right? And so instead of asking God, like, even when his word isn't super clear, is this honoring to you? Like, God, am I honoring you? We go, well, well how, how much can I get away with before I'm not honoring God? And we do things and we, we think in our head like, well, I mean, God didn't specifically say in the Bible, I can't cheat on my online classes. So like, I can do it and I don't like lack integrity. Or we say stuff like, you know, I'm, I respect people. I, I use my words, like I talk nicely to people, but then somebody cuts us off in the freeway and we're like this, you know, and we just start listing stuff. And it's like, yeah, but I didn't, you know, I didn't say it to them, I was nice. Or we're with our boyfriend and our girlfriend and the date goes really good and we start kissing and we're like, God said avoid sexual immorality, but he didn't like say where to stop. So like, I think we can, and we just, we do this all the time. We, we twist God's word and we say, well, how, how far can I go instead of saying, God, how can I honor you right now? And if we're honest with ourselves, often what is revealed is that our behavior does not always integrate with our beliefs. We're a little bit more like the Pharisees than we usually care to admit. So Jesus comes in in the scene and he says to the Pharisees, but I think he also says to us that when, when you do that, when you swear by other things and when you twist God's word to get away with it and you say, well, he didn't say anything about this really specific area of my life. Jesus is saying that you, when you do that, you're just ignoring the fact that there isn't anything, any place, any area of your life that God doesn't want to be in the middle of. Like God is in the center of everything. You, you can't move God out of your life for a second in any area. He wants to be in the center. 
which is why in this text, Jesus says, you're, you're swearing by all these things as if God isn't a part of them. The Pharisees were trying to be like, I swear by, by God's temple. And he's, he, Jesus is like, you can't swear by the temple like that's God's. You swear by heaven, but that's, that's God's throne. You swear by earth, but that's God's footstool. Jesus is making this point. There is no area of our lives where God doesn't want to be involved and where God doesn't want us to love and honor him and love and honor people. We, we can't sneak God out of it for a second. So after understanding kind of the historical context of this, here, here's the, the deeper point that I think Jesus was making. And, and also, if you want to cross out Pharisees on there and put me, because it's just like we do it too uh, on your notes. Our problem is our, our behavior isn't integrated with our beliefs. But I think what Jesus was saying, the deeper point, is that we should be people of integrity. And that's, that's on your notes as well. Be a person of integrity, which means that Jesus directs all, all of your life, every single area of your life. That's what I think Jesus' deeper point is. You can't twist God's word to act differently at school, at work, at home, and then at church. No, God wants to be involved in every single area of your life, and that's, that's what integrity is. God wants us to be people of integrity. And the, the word integrity, the, the Latin root, actually comes from the word integer, integer, which, which means integrated or whole. So it's saying like to have integrity means your whole life is integrated under trying to seek and follow Jesus. So for a Christian, that's what integrity means for you. Like you follow Jesus in every area of your life. Your, your yes to Jesus and your, your no in other areas of life, those things don't change based on where you're at or who you're with. Like your yes to Jesus applies at work. Your yes to Jesus applies at your home life. Your yes to Jesus applies in relationships. Your yes to Jesus applies when nobody's around and you could get away with it. You still want to say yes to Jesus and honor him because you have integrity to honor God in every single area of your life. That's what I think integrity means. And that's what I think Jesus' deeper point was be a person of integrity. So because of that, I have three thoughts I wanna give you on integrity from, from God's word. Three thoughts I wanna give you on integrity from God's word. And I hope that they, they challenge you to kind of self-assess, is God integrated into every area of my life? But I also hope they kind of encourage you um, along the process of integrating Jesus into every area of your life. So here, here's my, my first thought from God's word on integrity. You are building your integrity with every thought you choose to keep and every action you take. You are building your integrity with every thought you choose to keep. I worded that specifically because I know thoughts come in. You don't, but, but every thought you choose to keep and every action you choose to take, you're building your integrity with those. The, the Bible is very clear on how we should choose to guide our thoughts. Because the writers, these writers were inspired and they knew that a lack of integration, a lack of integrity, it starts up here. When your thoughts lose integrity, your actions are gonna follow. When your thoughts lose integration, your actions are gonna follow. That's why 2 Corinthians 10b, I put people do that, right? B, it just means the end of the verse. 10b, but at the end of the verse it says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 
It means like you grab every thought on anything, uh, sexuality, work, family, and you just put, what would, like, you point it towards Christ and you take it captive towards him and say, what, what would Jesus do? How would he have me handle this? Romans 8, 5 and 6, it says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live in accordance to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit. The mind set on the flesh, uh, governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Your integration, you're integrating your life under Jesus starts in your thoughts. But, but your actions are also building your integrity. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, do not be deceived. Like, don't, don't think that anything you do isn't, you're not, you're not planting something in the future. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So whoever sows and, and plants to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows, but who, whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, uh, will reap eternal life. And this verse is just simply saying that every action you take has consequences, good or bad. Every action you take, you're building something. What you think and what you do in every moment is building your integrity. I heard a story of a, a builder, a home builder, and he built homes for 35 years. And he was like, I, he had a grandkid, he was like, I wanna retire soon, um, like anybody would after like 35 years of working. And so he, he told his company, that he'd been with for 35 years, he said, five more years, I'm retiring, five more years. And then he, he told him that next year, four more years, I'm retiring, three more years. He told him every single year until it was a month away from his retirement. And he told him one more month and I'm retiring, but his, his, the owner of the company and, and his friend came up to him one month left and said, hey, can, can you build one more house? And the guy was like, I've told you for five years I'm retiring on this date and you ask me a month away from my retirement, can you, can you build a house? And, and the owner of the company said, we've been friends for 40 years. You know, you know I would not ask you to do this if it didn't mean a ton to me. Please just build this house. It's in an area you love. You have freedom to work on it because we trust you. Just like, just please build us one more house. And the builder was like, okay, fine. I'll build you one more, but after that I'm done. And so... He goes, he starts building it, but his, his heart wasn't really in it. Like he just, he, he hired some sub, subcontractors he knew didn't have great integrity and he knew they cut corners. He cut corners, he was just working as fast as he could to get it done. All the products he, he got for the house, like the materials, the cheapest ones he could find, he got it done as quick as possible. And from the outside, like the house looked good, it was big, it was beautiful in a beautiful area. Even the inside, looking at the walls, they were painted nice, but he knew looking at the house, this was not his best work, and it was gonna have problems down the road. But the day that they finished the house, the, the owner of the company came up, big smile on his face, and said, man, great job, and I just want you to know that we appreciate your work more than you know. And as a, as a token as of your 40 years of serving here, here's the keys to your new house. And that, that home builder realized in that moment what all of us will realize at some point. You are building your own home. You're building your own home. Every action that you take, every decision that you make, the way you live, the way you think, the way you speak, all of that, you're building your life. And when you take shortcuts, you're gonna have to deal with those one day. But when you, when you build your life according to the word of God, it will stand. But we're all of us. We are building 
our homes. You're building your integrity with every thought you choose to keep and every action that you take. Second thought on integrity is that the promise of integrity is security. The promise of integrity is security. Proverbs 10.9 tells us that whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. And like, come on, don't, don't, don't we know this? Like, have you ever done anything where you, you did it and then you're just freaking out about like when, when your parents are gonna find out, when's my boss gonna find out, when's, when's my girlfriend or boyfriend? Gonna, I, I have, you just freak out all the time because you know like deep inside someone's gonna find out and I'm, like I'm going down for this or I'm gonna have to have a conversation. It's not gonna be fun. When you don't live with integrity, you, you're not living securely. But on the flip side, when you live with integrity, you have security because you're not freaking out all the time. Like, you know, I wonder if they're gonna find out. You're just relaxing. You have peace because you know you've tried to follow Jesus. Obviously, we all have stuff. We don't want everybody knowing. But you're gonna walk securely. And I think that's why Jesus in this Sermon on the Mount ends it by talking about building your house on the rock. Because if you build your life, he talks about building your life on the rock by obeying his words and putting them into practice in every single area of your life. And if you do, all these storms can come. Anything can happen, but your life will not fall because you'll have security from your integrity. I also think that's why the divorce part is right before this. It's like divorce and oaths. It's kind of weird, but I think Jesus knew what he was doing. And he was just kind of hinting at us like, hey, do you want security in your marriage one day? Do you want a marriage that lasts? Then be a person of integrity. Be a person who integrates all of their life under following Jesus and then marry somebody like that. And if you do, you will have security in your marriage. I think that's another point Jesus was making in there because integrity brings security. And I, I, need, I need all of, you, all of you to know, like your, your good looks, your skill, your passion, your degree, how smart you are, those things might, they might get you a job, they might get you a business, they might get you a, a wife and a family, a little bit of money, but only integrity brings the security that holds all of those things together for a lifetime. Integrity brings security. So a little, little summary, be a person of integrity means directing all of your life under Jesus. You're building your integrity with every thought you choose to keep and every action you take, and the promise of integrity is security. I got one more point for you, a story and a couple questions. Here's my, my third thought on integrity. If you are a believer in Jesus, he is faithful to forgive you as you learn to integrate your life. This is, this is the, the good news of it all. If you are a follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus, he is faithful to forgive you as you learn to integrate your life. Because this stuff is, it's kind of hard to talk about. Because none of us in here have our lives, you know, perfectly integrated under Jesus. And, you know, you might be thinking like, oh man, like, how is this going to turn out down the road? Like, what's going to happen? And I want you to know, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, he is faithful to forgive you as you learn to integrate your life. Like, God has grace for you. He's patient with you. He's a good father. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us, for, for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like while, while we were in the middle of not being integrated and perfect, Jesus said, I love you so much, I'll die for you so that I can cover all that. And I think that truth 
is what actually gives us the ability to accurately self-assess our lives and be like, okay, here's where I need to work on. Because I don't, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself. Like I will just beat myself up for days if I do something wrong. And if I have to self-assess my integrity without the grace of God in my life, I, I will, I'll have a mental breakdown, I'm not even joking. Like that just sounds horrible. But understanding that Jesus loves me no matter what and he paid to cover my sins and he loves me all the time, even when I'm being stupid, actually helps me be able to self-assess my life and look and go, okay, here's, here's where I need to work on. I know God loves me, but here, here's where I need to put some work in and integrate my life. So there's a story of a young woman who was, she was driving to work one day. She had just dropped her kids off at school. She was a single mom, so she's trying to do it all herself, and she's speeding. And she gets pulled over, gets a ticket, speeding ticket, $300. She doesn't have the money, so she, she goes to court. And in the courtroom, the judge says, ma'am, you were found guilty of going 85 and a 65. You owe the court $300. And she said, yes, I know, but, but I, I don't have the money right now. And he said, well, the judge said, if you don't have the money, we, we have to put you in jail for the weekend. And she said, sir, I, I can't go to jail. I'm, I'm a single mom. I need to be there for my kids, but I don't have the money. Can, can you please have mercy on me? And the judge said, ma'am, it's, it's the law. I can't change the law. It's my job to keep the law. You promised to follow the law when you got your license and you promised to pay when you didn't. So pay the money or spend the weekend in jail. And the woman, she, she started crying. And she said, I, I can't pay, but, but I can't go to jail. Is, is there anything that you can do? And the judge, he, he looked at her and he saw her crying and he backed up his chair. He took off, you know, the fancy judge robes they wear. He took that off, just his suit on. And he walks around in his suit to her, pulls out of his suit pocket a checkbook, writes a check for $300 out to her name, tears it off, puts it on the table, walks back around to his judge's throne, puts his judge's suit back on and sits down and says, ma'am, I'm sorry, but I can't change the law. You were going 85 into 65, you owe the court $300 or you'll spend the weekend in jail. Oh, but it looks like somebody already paid the price you owe, so you're free to go. And I, I want all of you to know that God sees you and he sees me unable to perfectly integrate our lives under his word, unable to fill the gap between like who we are and who we wanna be. And he looks at us trying and he takes off his heavenly robe, puts on a body like ours, and he went to the cross and he died for us so he could fill that gap. He filled the gaps of where our life wasn't perfectly integrated. He, he covered all of it for you because he loves you so much. He forgives you for every part of your life that isn't integrated. And wherever your life hasn't been perfectly pure, God has become your purity for you. Wherever you haven't been perfectly faithful, God became your faithfulness. Wherever you weren't integrated, God covered those areas of your life. How? By, by leaving heaven and going to a cross to die and pay for our sins. And because of that, he is faithful to forgive us as we learn to integrate our lives. And so here, here's two questions I wanna end with, and then I'll pray. And as I ask these questions, you can't forget the last point, because if you forget that you're forgiven and that God loves you, you're just gonna leave sad. I don't want you to leave sad. I want you to know that God loves you and he forgives you and nothing can change that. 
So remember that as you ask these two last questions. They're, they're on your notes. But is there any area of your life that isn't integrated under God? Is there any area of your life that isn't integrated under God's direction? And then what's the first step that you can take to integrate this area? What's, what's, one, what's one step you can take to start the integration process in this area? So I want you to think about those things. The band will come up and play, but I just want you, I'm gonna pray, but I want you to keep thinking about those questions. But as you do, don't forget, don't forget that God is faithful to forgive you as you learn to integrate your life. Let's pray. And I'm gonna pray Psalm 139 over us, actually. God, search us and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. God, see if there's any wrong way in us and lead us in the way of the everlasting. Search us, God, know our hearts, know our thoughts. See if there's any wrong way in us and reveal it to us, God, and then lead us in the way of everlasting life. Lead us in the way of life and life to the full. God, thank you so much for your words that challenge us and make us look at our life and assess where we are. But God, thank you for your grace and help us to never forget your grace as we go along this journey called life, trying to follow you and integrate our lives under you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the SYA podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at wearesya.com.